for joining us for Drunk Monkey Podcasting. I'm one of your hosts, Colleen Carney Hefner, editor-in-chief of Drunk Monkeys. I am Chris Carney Pruitt, uh, editor, managing editor of <laughs> Drunk Monkeys. Matt Carney Guerrero, ready and willing to be traumatized again. Let's do this. <laughs> Today we're going to be speaking about season two, episode seven of Twin Peaks, Lonely Souls. Um, this is before we get into all the stuff I usually say, I do want to kind of throw a trigger slash content warning sure. on this episode because I feel like we're probably going to get into some discussion that might be, for lack of a better word, triggering yeah. to other people. Mm-hmm. This is a, a heavy, the next three episodes are kind of a heavy, uh, entrenched in trauma and abuse episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not speaking correctly, but. Uh, and and it's going to bring up a lot of dark stuff, both in yeah. the context of the show and the context of probably our discussion about it. So I want to throw that on there just in case maybe you're, you know, following along. And if you've already seen the show, you're probably going to get it. But uh, just, you know, I feel better if I just mention that. Um, we are a spoiler light podcast, so we're not going to be going too much into what happens after this episode. The next episode is kind of connected to it. So it's like a little three episode arc. Um, before we get super into it, just wanted to let you know you can follow along with us at TP Logcasting on Twitter, Drunk Monkeys Web on Twitter. Uh, by the time you listen to this, we'll probably be up and running for our January 2021 issue, and uh, that's about it. But anyway, so here we go. We're going to talk about it. Lonely Souls. <laughs> Let's go. So, um, all right. So what, when we last left off in the last episode. We had the one-armed man, uh, Philip Gerard, also known as Mike, uh, and they were going to go to the Great Northern and sus- suspects of uh, the Laura Palmer killing through psychicness. So we right. opened this episode <laughs> with them just hanging out at the sheriff's office, like waiting for a bus to bring them all together or something, because they're all just like, hanging out uh, and like basically recapping what they said in the last episode. Uh, they're going to bring each each person staying at the Great Northern in front of him so he can like tell if it's Bob or not. <laughs> it's kind of a, okay, like, yeah, yeah. that's just all that, I guess. Yeah, it, it's a very, it's an unusual exposition, like just straight up exposition moment in this show. And my guess is because of the rather large revelations that come later, you want to have a tiny bit of the backstory mm-hmm. if you're not completely caught up on it. It is kind of a funny framing of the situation though. It just opens at this lengthy shot of most of our principal uh, sheriff's office and FBI characters, as well as Philip Gerard in his Mike persona, uh, just sort of lined up against a wall drinking coffee and just (laughs) chit chatting casually about how, oh yeah, we're gonna use some demon magic to just suss out some killers (laughs) at the big hotel, not a big deal. Uh, We're gonna do this. We get some good David Lynch yelling with Gordon (laughs) here, who's on off to Bend, Oregon on some serious FBI business in Bend, Oregon. Uh, Real hush hush, he tells us. very funny to hear Mike in his sort of demonic possession persona here speaking, but also just like casually sipping out of his uh, cup of coffee as he does so. He's speaking in his like mildly cryptic rhymes and so forth <laughs> while just chilling with a cuppa with the police force. Um, 
We also I'll use my psychic powers to. Yeah. We, we also. <laughs> yeah. we, we also uh, set up here that uh, we're going to send our one competent police officer, Hawk, off away from this excursion <laughs> to go check out just what is going on with this Harold so and so and his extra diary and his mysterious indoor plants. So I guess I guess Harry didn't completely forget about the shit Donna was talking about when he left her in the interrogation room in the prior episode. They also mentioned that they found bloody diary um pages at the crime scene. Oh yeah. Like maybe that diary thing is a real thing now that yeah, we yeah. think about it. And it's like, well then why did you treat her like she was this shit when she was like <laughs> he has a secret diary of Laura's and he's like no no he doesn't no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> shut up shut up with your schemes I mean I mean <laughs> I to be know. fair to Harry like <laughs> Donna's been talking a lot of shit for a long time at this point that's true that's true she's a fucking mess <laughs> so um we go from here to to the great northern and there's this amazing shot I'm always looking at the set pieces because I want them <laughs> there's an amazing shot of this like clock that is a picture of the great northern and like the, the waterfalls like illuminated and I was like I want that clock so bad like, <laughs> and I um it's such a strange this is so strange because they have Philip sitting in a chair and they're just ushering people by like next no next no like it's like what did they tell these guests that they're doing <laughs> like they're like wait we're gonna get every guest to stand in front of you and it's like like if i were if i were a guest at a hotel and they were like okay you have to come down to the lobby and then like stood me in front of some guy and he was like no i feel like horrified <laughs> escorted Someone by the local police the, yeah, 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 the, yeah yeah it's like what the local police and an FBI officer are like, don't worry, go stand in front of this creepy, mumbling, one-armed guy who speaks primarily in rhymes, and uh, he's going to say whether you're chill or not. Like, no? Is there, like, any kind of warrant that allows you to do this? Like, And what's funny is they're definitely doing it without Ben's permission, as right. we're going to find out in a second. So it's like, do they just set up shop, and they're like, we're just doing but, well, it's it's funny because it seems like they deliberately tried to go around him. In the previous scene, they mentioned, uh, we're going to the Great Northern. We've talked to the staff, full cooperation. And then they get there, and the first thing we see is Ben charging around, pissed off. Like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? Why is this happening? I hope this wasn't like they talked to that bird song girl. Yeah, maybe. Sure, because this is going to ruin her chances of employing the <laughs> Maybe that's why she disappears from the series after that one episode where she's so pleasant and helpful. Of this um, <laughs> she got canned for letting these guys in. Be like, no problem. There's um, this really cool kind of like moment, though. They bring Mr. Tojimura in front of Mike, and then it keeps cutting to Ben, like, walking sternly down the yeah. hall with his... And it's like this really neat, like, sort of, like... I don't know. It's very theatrical. Like I'm coming, I'm coming yeah. to put this stop to all this. And what happens here too is, Mr. Tojimar is in front of him. Ben kind of shows up. Mike starts kind of seizuring on the ground, and it's like, well, what is he reacting to here? Is he reacting to Ben? Is he reacting? Yeah. And and Ben's like, what is happening? What's going on? While he's like on the ground, like, and they're like trying Seizing. to help yeah. him. And it's like, can you maybe like just let them? get him okay and then be like hey what's going on and i start screaming over the <laughs> that's not You're ben's not play though ben's play <laughs> is to is to add chaos to the situation until he comes out on top yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. no it's good 
And then there's a great, uh, sorry, there's a great moment in that too, where uh, Cooper, like as uh, Mike, whatever, starts falling on the ground and seizing, uh, he has like this, this embarrassed, like, ooh, hey, I'm sorry. Like he turns to the person next to him. I think it's Andy's like, yeah, I don't know. What's going on? <laughs> Oops. It's I a tiny moment. Boo-boo. I couldn't get a screen yeah. grab of it, but it's great. Um, <laughs> great choice by McLaughlin. Sorry. I, I want to I want to mention I'm pretty sure this is one of the actually Lynch directed episodes. Uh, I, I meant to I meant to double check this before we started and like a very it essential is. worker yeah. podcaster. I forgot. I think Matt is confirming for me right now. Yeah, written um, by Frost, but, directed by Lynch. Specifically. Yeah, yeah, so something we we talk about these things kind of inconsistently because they kind of show up inconsistently depending on who is uh um, directing a given episode, but Lynch in particular, when he's behind the wheel on this show, and you really, really see it in the return season where he directs all of the episodes, um, he likes to go to certain colors to cue you in that certain things are going on. So one of the cues in this scene is white and black together. He loves to do that. It's a motif from the Red Room that we've seen before. Uh, and it's happening here in another thing Lynch loves to do is to just have some insane shit going on at the yeah. Great Northern while anything else is happening. And we seem to have like hundreds of sailors on shore leave here <laughs> and they're all bouncing extremely loud rubber super balls through this like entire lengthy scene so while yeah. all of this stuff is happening while like mike is like vetting people and then eventually seizing and ben is shouting at stuff and we're having all these quick cuts between these characters you're just hearing this constant thundering pounding of rubber balls against yeah. wood plank over it, and over again <laughs> this scene ends with two like women in unison, bouncing the ball like in front of the camera and then out of frame. Yeah. I actually wrote down flight attendants because that's what I thought they oh, were. Oh, yeah. But, but it makes that, more sense if they're like some sort of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's something thing. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, but, either way, they're all uniformed and bouncing yeah. balls. Yeah. I mean, they, maybe they're the Scientology C crew or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it's pretty good. Um, that's a, a good way. So now we're going to cut to Harold where chaos is reigning. <laughs> there, is, there are orchids everywhere. And uh, our Hot- IP, yeah. Harold. <laughs> but we're different. Um, <laughs> Hawk just straight up walks in the door. Like, it doesn't seem to be locked or anything. He just, like, walks is, in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, he's home, right? Yeah. <laughs> Got get like a, we, we get a typical kind of, like, um, Lynch especially loves to do this stuff with dead bodies where he frames it in a really unusual way and it feels kind of disturbing. Like we've got, you can just see his feet dangling through that weird internal greenhouse window thing he has in his unit. Um, And it's like kind of off-centered and it's like, it's an oddly kind of silent scene, but like it's, oh shit, it looks, it looks fucked up. Like with the flowers everywhere and the like chaos in the room, it, it feels it feels bad, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, Harold's not great. Harold's not great. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about death. that. Yeah. I want to talk about that a little more later because we get one more clue yeah. or we get a couple more clues about what was going on here specifically. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, he's gone. Um, yeah. And many people, including friend of the show, Aiden. Uh, <laughs> 
are happy I, about that. I did I did call him into the room and I said, Do you want to see this last Harold shot? And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, is he dead now? Yeah, he he's like, dead. Cool. cool. And then he's like, <laughs> um uh, so yeah, so we're we go back to that, but we're gonna cut to the Palmer's house. And I love this scene. This is such a good scene. Everyone is bringing it in this scene, even yeah. very brief and also like shot in a strange way. So basically what we have here is Maddie is sitting, uh, Sarah and Leland are sitting on the couch and Sarah's staring off into space or whatever. And Leland's reading a paper, whatever, just your typical like Sunday morning, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maddie comes with her like cup of tea or whatever. And she's like, okay, like, you know, I've been here long enough and I feel like it's time for me to go back. I have a, I have a job in an apartment and I was like, you do? Like, yeah. What do you I, tell them? You've been I, gone I, for months. <laughs> I, I made the same point because it also casts a rather ugly shadow on her whole fraternization with James. Yeah. Uh, like regardless of what was already ugly about that whole situation, <laughs> but like apparently James. she's an adult. So <laughs> I think that's the first we're hearing real confirmation of that. But <laughs> yeah, I did was, I was kind of like, I thought she was the same age. Right, so, it's so like, did okay, I. She's just like someone who's super young and has a job in an apartment. Like I had my own job in an apartment when I was like 20. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, maybe, but she's still uh, she's still an adult making out with a minor. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> like even in the most generous interpretation of that, it's a little, it adds just a little extra grossness to a situation that was already yeah, pretty gross. Romeo and Juliet lost. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's gross. fine. Um, this is a really great moment because she says this and you can if you watch Sarah she is upset like she does not want her to go but she's also not like please don't go so she kind of looks away and like swallows down how upset she is which is like a real fucking thing that's like me every time I'm upset don't want somebody (laughs) like I'm gonna look over in the corner and like choke on my own sobs and then Leland is like he has his arm around her and he's like well yeah you know like that makes sense like like we're gonna miss you like you can come visit of course like we're but you know like Sarah she has a life she needs to get back to it right but the thing is this whole scene is shot from like behind the record player a slow tracking shot and it's just really well done just how subtle I mean I love Sarah as a character and I feel like she really like doesn't get a lot of the accolades she deserves, or maybe she does, but she didn't get like major accolades at the time or whatever. Sure. She's so good at at acting without saying anything. Yeah, yeah. And 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 he's like, well, we're proud of you. And she's like, we are. And it's like, yeah, of course we are. And she's like, no, oh yeah, no. like, And it's just really realistic. Like when they do certain types of grief well, they do it well. And this is a scene where I think it her, her character is just straight up pathos the whole time and she will it's not a spoiler to say she will remain in the series and her role will continue to be important in i i venture it's safe to say surprising ways as we get yes. further and further into this um and it will uh it's one of the better jobs the series does of just very patiently slowly unfolding a character and everything that's going on with them um and uh, I I don't know, maybe I, I don't want to risk saying too much about it right yeah. now, but she's always like, she's always dead on in portraying this character who is just saddled with this kind of 
immeasurable amount of grief and the way that she navigates it and holds that and demonstrates it in scenes. She does an amazing job. And yeah, I agree about the way the scene is shot. It really feels, it almost feels like you're getting a view into this house less than it is like a stage scene, you know? Yeah, it's like you're you're spying on a very personal moment. Yeah, it, It adds both a level of realness and of just some additional like kind of discomfort or something that really adds to the feelings that are going on in this scene it's it's there's a rough a few, watch but there's a, a few way. scenes in this in this episode that are very like otherworldly mm. and it's the first one like it, yeah. it is really just a great scene uh super well done by everyone involved so um yeah also though like <laughs> i'm just dying to know like hey i need a leave of absence for like <laughs> three to six months seriously yeah again it's hard to gauge the passage of time and remember in the previous episode she was like i'm leaving james this is me saying goodbye to you and now in this episode she's talking to uh um she's talking to the palmers as though she hasn't even had this discussion with them yet so it's it's a little strange but yeah i don't know i don't know what we're supposed to make of that situation exactly um okay we're gonna go back to harold's uh, they're doing like the god awful worst job of cutting his body down. Yeah, it's way. hilarious. There's like, like, like there's like that scene in Mad Men where they cut down a certain. I don't want to spoil. I mean, like Mad Men is a million years old, but like if someone had said this last year, I'm upset because I only watched it last year. But there's a scene where they have to cut down a body, and they're very gentle and nice about it. But here they're just like grabbing the legs and like hoisting. It's very like jarring. Yeah, it's 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 one of these it's one of these scenes where we suddenly have like fifty faceless other members of the sheriff's department there to do mm. the police procedural work so that our characters can be characters. But also, isn't Coop there? Because Coop like, is there. Gonna... Yeah. So like, literally, so he just like fucking left Philip. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know happening? what we're supposed to know about what they did with. Uh, Philip Gerard, aka Mike, but I he's there. He's now at the scene. Um and he is doing some, you know, major coop stuff, like reaching hands into pockets and pulling out notes and stuff. That uh, is suicide note. That is suicide <laughs> note. And of course it just says like I'm a lonely man or something. I, uh, it in says French. I am well, okay, so this this is an echo to back when Donna first met. Harold, because she went to Mrs. Mrs. Tremont's first, and this yes. is what uh, her grandson, who's David Lynch's son in real life, said. He said to Donna in French, uh, "I think it's I am a lonely soul." But yeah, the yeah. thing is, I think technically, contextually, and I don't speak French, but I remember mm-hmm. reading about this. It said it technically means I have a lonely soul, uh-huh. which is a little different. Yeah. But it's but the the to suffice to say, it's the same exact fucking thing. Yeah grandson next door said so i mean they're they're not going to be able to know that but yeah. um this will come up later um also leave it up to not to disparage suicide note but leave it up to harold to be like i need to be poetic 
<laughs> in my orchid suicide. <laughs> like he's very manipulative, I think. So yeah. like, we're oh. we're on the verge of getting some more info about that. Um, and to start that ball rolling, um, I think it's Hawk who's digging through the papers and shit yeah. that are all yeah. over the ground, and he seems to have tore up a good deal of it. But he does find the uh, second diary that has been the source of this whole Harold experience up to this point. <laughs> so it is now in the possession of the uh, of the. <laughs> <laughs> crime fighters of Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> what would they do with it? Probably fuck something up. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Can't believe that first page says this is the secret diary of Laura Palmer. Donna is a stupid virgin. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was real mean that she did that. Mean. <laughs> anyway, um, here I wrote stupid camera shot. I don't know what that means. Why did I write that? The uh, whiteout. Did you not like the the whiteout? Oh yeah, there's yeah. a there's a very annoying transition to what yeah. I presume was a commercial, commercial break, break at the yeah. end, which is uh, the camera they, flash they're, because they're taking yeah, they're pictures flash of bulbs going oh, off. Oh, and, they're taking a yeah yeah. yeah. Like, and oh then my they god, make, their diary, right? Yeah, and okay, then there's that. like a super long flash and then hard cut to black, which I guess was probably a commercial transition, and it yeah. probably made more sense in that context. But watching it in the show, it looks really dumb. It's just yeah, this long they do that every once in a while. Actually, you know what? Looking at it now it doesn't my writing doesn't say shop it says snap which yeah. makes uh, yeah so. yeah um okay here we go to shelly's <laughs> shelly's crash pad uh where the stuff is Bobby are, real grim they're <laughs> <laughs> doing like budgeting basically everybody loves to watch characters uh <laughs> balance their <laughs> monthly budget it just makes for great television um, and and so basically what they figured out is like you know after expenses and bills and whatever they have 42 dollars left over <laughs> for like the month i think it might be the month it might be the week i don't know either way it's grim like that's not yeah. a lot of money yeah. even back in 90 but yeah. um but what's amazing is <laughs> bobby is like this is a good start it's like no it's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't buy shit with 42 dollars it kind of um, drives home the point that Bobby doesn't really know shit about shit. He's a teenage kid. He doesn't budget. He doesn't work. He doesn't even go to school like he's supposed to. And in fact, this scene is the first time he's mentioned it in like, I think literally like nine episodes. Yeah. He's like, he's uh, like I'm missing economics class right now. Yeah. He's been to school in five months. <laughs> they don't even know who you are not, anymore. I think you're technically not on the football team anymore. Yeah. For one thing, <laughs> probably already been expelled for too many consecutive days of just not you're showing up. Ruined, Bobby. Yeah. Ruined. Um, um, yeah. So there's there's a there's a lot to unpack there but i i think it's kind of funny she's basically just like i mean i'm fucked i have to go quit my job because i have to spend all day watching uh leo, leo. here who's sitting here <laughs> spitting on himself repeatedly it's like really <laughs> gross <laughs> this is a lot of this is a lot of what leo does for the next like 10 or so episodes is <laughs> just sitting there spitting on himself <laughs> this is how i picture leo all the time and like, it's hard for me to even remember what ends up happening so it's just like but um yeah and then and then she obviously bobby bought her a necklace and she's like i need you to return this necklace and he's he takes umbrage to this and she's like i need the money like we i can't live like this and then he's like well why don't you sell leo's truck and she tries to explain to him like well they think that he's it, it, involved in crime so they impounded it and he's like well just go tell them he's not it's like that's not how fucking cops work that's idiot. not how anything works this is not how real life works Bobby. <laughs> right uh 
So because the police have it. And then as they're doing this kind of back and forth about finances and trucks and whatnot, necklaces, Leo starts like groaning and it scares the shit out of them. And then he like mentions like new shoes, right? Like mm. just like that. And they're like, what the fuck? And what's so funny is <laughs> Shelly screams, he's alive. And it's yeah, like, yeah. Well, <laughs> always alive. He's yeah, not yeah. dead. <laughs> well, and then they specifically have a back and forth about it. And like Bobby's like, no, he's not. Like, yeah, yeah. He's just, <laughs> and she's like, no, he's alive. It's like, he is alive regardless. Yeah, yeah. He's alive. <laughs> One point though, he kind of goes like, right? Like yeah. sits kind of. Yeah. And the subtitle said, I wrote LOL, LOL after it. So, so basically, yeah, they're like, he's alive. And I'm like, he was alive. Dummies. He's just not it's a really... cognizant. Uh, but they're basically feeling the weight of this situation now. Yeah. And Bobby, in true Bobby forms, like, I gotta go to economics class. What do you want yeah, from yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Work. The, the upshot here is the new shoes thing that uh, becomes a fixation for Leo here, um, and he'll repeat it throughout the episode. Um, two things happen as a result of this. One is that Bobby's like, oh, he must be trying to communicate something. Like, did he get new shoes recently? Uh, no, I had to go fix some, send some boots of his off to get fixed. Well, get me those boots. There's got to be something going on with those boots. Did he um, get the new Paolo Nutini album yeah. before something happened to him. He had that song, New Shoes. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, the other thing it does is it harkens back to when he had this standoff with uh, Leo way back in season one where he's like papa needs a new pair of shoes bobby and then he like shoots at bobby and mike uh other mike not not our new scary uh other world mike but um and it's kind of funny to see how the dynamic has changed between them now where he's calling back to this line of dialogue but back then like uh um leo was this scary ass drug dealer uh wife abuser and bobby was tangled up with him because he was like both buying drugs on credit from him and sleeping with his <laughs> wife which seems like a really bad combination of things that you and to using do. his actual girlfriend to like mule the drugs yeah and, and then yeah and then but now the dynamic is because bobby is trying to for real be with shelly he has to like figure out how to be a caretaker to this guy right, who tried right. to shoot at him the last time he said <laughs> he said this phrase to him so the the way it harkens back to that old dynamic is like a very funny and interesting choice here i think yeah all right <laughs> new shoes new shoes uh we move from this to uh a very sort of abrupt and uncomfortable yeah. debrief between ben and audrey about the uh happenings at one-eyed jacks um i don't think there's a lot to say about this scene except for one point at the very end of it um but it does lay bare where the characters are at with everything basically audrey just lays out like she makes it pretty clear that girl you were trying to sleep with who was the new girl at one-eyed jacks that was me you almost like yeah. raped your daughter that evening yeah. and he was yeah. like and he came only a cat mask saved my dad 
yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's like real, it's okay. real gross. Um, it's it gross. really it's awkward, awkward, awkward really, conversation. Really rebalances the power dynamic between them. And when she puts that down, Ben starts just sort of like, like empty heartedly replying the truth to what everything she's asking. So she's mm -hmm. like, did Laura work there? Yes, she worked there. Were you directly involved in sending her there? No, I wasn't. Did you sleep with her? Ben's like, yes, I slept with her. And then she's like, okay, so you murdered her, right? And here's where the weird part <laughs> happens because then Ben's like, what? I loved her. And then you get this zoom in of this photo of Laura that's like sitting on his desk. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Like, <laughs> you notice that? Yeah. Oh, weird. My dad has a picture of my deceased like classmate because they weren't even really friends. So yeah. he'd be like, oh, that's my friend. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It would make sense if like Mr. Like Doc Haywood had a picture of her because they were right. the best friends or whatever. But uh, but you know what? I have to say, like as odd and <laughs> goofy as that really kind of is, uh, it, this is a very, very well-acted scene between oh, I agree. them. Uh, I, I think I've definitely been on record that Audrey is not one of my favorite characters. People love her, and I just kind of don't really get it. But here, she's excellent. She's like, excellent. when she's good, yeah. she's good. I've said that before. And Ben's always great, and like, from a character great. acting standpoint. And when she says, did you kill her, he does this almost, like, choke sob. And then, yeah. and then balances himself out and says, no, I loved her. And the way that Audrey reacts to that shot at the photo aside, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can tell she's, like, genuinely hurt because her dad doesn't love her in yeah. any sort of way that he loved. I mean, like, obviously he loved Laura in a different right. way. Right. Yeah. No, but that but there's still a love there yeah. that there's, that he just doesn't care for Audrey at all. And so she's like, okay, cool. So like, I suck basically is what you're saying. You love this, like dead troubled <laughs> minor more than you love me. Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, really good scene. Yeah, no, I I agree. I didn't want to talk too much shit on that. I just think that framing of that one particular <laughs> thing so is stupid. very awkward and strange. Um, but other other she than didn't that, notice that before. Yeah, she yeah, all the time. yeah. That's that's the part of it that troubles me. It's just weird. But um, other than that, like what it brings out of the characters and demonstrates of their kind of new, and and we'll kind of see this rebalancing of the relationship between Ben and Audrey as it goes forward. Um, it, it does its job on that level. Yeah. Um, we go to a quick scene at the RR where um, Shelly is basically like, Norma, I have to quit. And this is such a cute, like, this this scene has two parts to it. And this first part's very cute. Um, yeah. She's like genuinely upset. And she's like, I, like, I have to take care of Leo. It's a full-time job. And Norma's like, hey, that's cool. I get it. And she's like, oh, I don't want to let you down. And she's like, you'll never let me down. And it's like, this is like the mom, Shelly. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we don't get a lot about Shelly's, like, family. Like, I don't know anything. Right. I don't ever mention anything about it. But this is like the mom figure Shelly needs. Where it's like, you do what you need to do. If you want to come back, you always have a spot here. She's like, I genuinely love working here. Like, Norma's just a queen. She's like, you'll never let me down. Just do what you need to do. And it's really sweet. Like, and I, I put in my notes because uh, she still has a job when she wants to come back or is able to. So Shelly's going on furlough. It's something that we're really uh, familiar <laughs> we're with. We're all aware <laughs> of. <laughs> uh, um, but this scene, this, this nice moment gets <laughs> interrupted by Nadine and Egg coming in. <laughs> Nadine, who, who thinks that she's a, a teenager, 
and Ed, who's just going along with it, and they sit at the bar. <laughs> Ed, Ed, who, Ed, who's going along with it because, need I rem remind you, uh, quintuple board certified Doc Haywood, who is apparently an L&D, <laughs> a psych, uh, and just whatever other kind the of coroner, doctor needs to be. Yeah, a dentist. Moment, I don't know. Um, told him a to. Sperm quote, analyzer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Told him to, quote, roll with the punches, end quote. Uh, and so Ed's strategy thus far has been to just absolutely indulge in her bizarre teenage fantasy. And uh, Norma has not gotten the memo. And no one has. <laughs> so, so she sits there and she's like, Nadine, how long have you worked here? And Nadine's like, oh, at least fucking 20 years. And Ed's very like, that Simpsons like, hello, Mr. Thompson, where he's like, no, you've worked here for six months, Nadine, <laughs> or Norma, and Norma's like, uh, Norma, oh, get oh. it, Norma, because we're not in our late 30s. Early <laughs> <laughs> 40s, we yeah, are. Yeah, whatever we're supposed <laughs> to be, yeah. Uh, and it's just kind of funny because she's like, oh, thanks for letting me date Ed. I know you guys broke up, and Nadine, and Norma's like, it's cool, <laughs> I, I guess. guess. <laughs> um, and then she's like, oh, and my parents are still in Europe. And I'm just saying, at, wait, is it my house or your house? So there's like a lot of like not clear. She goes, is it my house or your house? She goes, is it my <laughs> parents' house? No, no, she says, is it my parents' house or your parents' house? And Ed responds in some way that's like, yep. Goes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> just like, she, but she's not even listening, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so have happy. to have to comment on the absolute deadness in Ed's eyes in this scene. Like, <laughs> just, so it, it, just his facial expressions in through everything that <laughs> happened in this scene and the incredibly awkward interaction between this woman he has to take care of and the woman he loves, and none of it makes any form of sense. And he's just a man who's like, my life has gone completely out of control. <laughs> <laughs> the best part, though, is Shelly's there, too, just kind of in the back, like, She's like, I guess I'll go get the milkshake. And then she like holds the, she grips the milkshake and it like explodes and blood and our, chocolate our, milkshake everywhere. Our episodic <laughs> reminder that Nadine has super strength. <laughs> the blood in the milkshake is a real nice touch. Yeah. Like, uh, they're like, okay, go get like some towels and the iodine. I don't know. This is a real fucking nightmare. <laughs> So, uh, but she's just like, hey, you know, thanks for letting me date Ed. I know you guys just broke up. And Norma's like, cool. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I love this conversation more than anything. <laughs> yeah, it's everybody's having a bad time, except for Nadine, who seems to be having a great time other great than time. accidentally blowing up her milkshake. <laughs> she's happy, happy as a clam. Oh, I see Matt's texting us. Yeah, his face when it's been six weeks and not 20 years. Yeah, Ed's face, absolutely incredible. About six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Thompson. Uh, anyway, um, okay, so we kind of move on from there. Uh, oh. So we go we go back to Shelly's house. She's still, you know, because you know, quitting her job, she got caught up with this Nadine and Ed thing. Uh, Bobby comes home with Mike, his regular high school friend, Mike, not Philip Gerard, Mike. Um, right. So he comes in and he's like, 
all right. Uh, he was clearly supposed to be watching Leo, but he went and got the boots instead. And yeah. he's like, this is how we're going to, like, stick it to Leo. Like, uh, we're really going to – something's up with these boots. And Mike's like, yeah, like, people mule stuff in the boot heel. And he's like, well, I mean, don't you think I checked it? He's like, well, did you? He's like, I don't know. Go get a hammer. So, <laughs> so, he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to say Leo's wheelchair here is so old-fashioned me of the changeling like the scary (laughs) that is like my hands down like (laughs) probably favorite like what is the movie that scared you the most the changeling like ruined most things like recordings and like noise machines and stuff i'm always afraid i'm gonna hear like scary ghosts in it uh but but there's like a very old-timey wheelchair in that movie very central it's like straight up like it would not look out of place in a victorian period piece film or something yeah yeah it's it's like so it's an fdr wheelchair yeah yeah Yeah, it is yeah it's like it's from like the turn of the century and not like 90 like i'm pretty sure they just had metal wheelchairs by then yeah (laughs) a wooden thing whatever um yeah so they bust open this this heel circle brand boots um, yeah, only yeah. only withstands about three hammer strikes, and one of them yeah. Bobby completely whiffs with. It's like, <laughs> why did you use this take? Like, I just wrote, Bobby sucks at this boot thing. Maybe, <laughs> but, maybe it was like a commentary on like boot manufacturing and how work boots aren't as good as they were. Like, that <laughs> yeah, maybe it turns out Philip Gerard's real crime, other than being possessed by a weird semi-reformed demon, is that he's actually selling shitty ass boots. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I do like the idea that he like he like met up with Leo at some point was like let me show you these boots and Leo was like yeah like like yeah. Really- he's like yeah I love new shoes my whole deal is that I want <laughs> uh in the in the heel of the boot is a micro cassette remember those things <laughs> and he's like I don't know what's on this but I bet it's gonna fucking make our day I so. bet it's gonna have like spooky changeling noises <laughs> um. Yeah, so we don't know what the deal with this is yet. We don't get it in this episode. It's fine. Bobby has something on of Leo's that he thinks will be of some kind of value to him. Um, yeah. Is the upshot here? Uh, we get. Um, we we go from here to a kind of heavy situation. Yeah, yeah. Where this is where our content warning trauma yeah. warnings are going to start. It's going to start happening here. Um. Uh, this is Coop reading the diary, right? Because I didn't write down who's actually. Yeah, so Coop yeah, is good. is sitting with the fragments of the diary, and he's basically like, "Okay, so a lot of this shit was tore up when um, Harold offed himself and was doing whatever <laughs> he was doing in his apartment." I'm gonna rip up the orchids and yeah, the diary. Yeah. But Get from what <laughs> from what we can reassemble here, there's a lot of content in this other diary that's mm-hmm. basically about how somebody who is described as Bob, a friend of Leland's, who has basically just been repeatedly assaulting her for an yeah. unknown amount of time, is yeah. essentially the uh, is what we get out of the diary. Um, and before we move majorly forward with this, this is what I was hinting at about wanting to say about Harold, because it really shines back on when he was talking to um, Donna and he was like, don't read this. I'll choose what to read from this. And by the way, the yeah. one time we saw him do that, he chose something that was totally negging Donna. Yeah, Out of all the content he could have found in it, but he repeatedly insisted 
I if this had something in it that would be helpful to uncovering what happened to Laura, I would share it, but it doesn't. I've read everything in this diary. Well, I mean, you know, this girl got assaulted and murdered, and this is a diary about how she was being repeatedly assaulted yeah, forever. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. like, so Harold lied. Um, yeah. We can yeah. kind of speculate, and we're not going to get it because he's gone. Uh, he's gone for real. He's not TV gone. Um, is that, like, he's, you know, either he was straight up lying to manipulate Donna, maybe into just having her as a further friend. I mean, the most generous interpretation I think you can put on it is that he did not want to expose that because Laura wanted to keep it hidden. But even that, I mean at the point that she's dead of abuse and assault and stuff is like, it's manipulative. It's not helping solve her case. And he's straight up lying about the content of the diaries. So. Yeah. There's, there's like one thing about being like, I don't want to read this directly to you because it's going to upset you. Right. So do something that makes fun of you instead. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's another thing to be like, you know, that this girl was murdered and like yeah, dumped yeah. in a river and like, and like, I mean, I don't know what they've released of it, but it's safe to assume that like there was like an assault or something happening too. Right. Uh, mm. And you're just like, I'm just gonna sit on this diary that like specifically yeah. says my dad's friend has been assaulting me for a really, really long time. Uh, I it's a slight spoiler, but I don't think it's too crazy. But I know later on, and I believe it's in the movie, we get that this has been happening since she was 13. Mm. So. Um, so i mean obviously she's like what like 18 when she gets killed or 17 so it's been like several years at this point uh it does kind of harken back too to like donna's story about like oh when we were 13 like these older dudes like trying to hook yeah. up with us or yeah. whatever but but i know like it's not super spoily to say that this, that's how long this has been happening right yeah, yeah. In, in context of the, this like diary that's like my dad's friend has been assaulting me for x amount of years like four or five years at this point um so yeah so like what harold is doing here like i definitely do think one maybe part of it is like i don't want to get involved in this like police thing because sure. they're going to start questioning me and my motives why do i have this like right it's like i don't know and then also like to like i'm an asshole and i can just manipulate mm. like, right I can't have a friend unless i'm manipulating them into being which kind of sucks because it seemed like like donna was like kind of open to just being his friend but right and right, then he right. had to act like shitty <laughs> like <laughs> like she was just like hey here's some food and he's like cool let's chat she's like sure like you don't have to manipulate somebody like that <laughs> like yeah, yeah. but but yeah. even all that stuff it came with this nadir of like hey uh i'm gonna invite this minor to day drink with me yes, and she's like yeah. yeah cool so i mean i don't know like it, it always cycles back to me about something very bizarre and manipulative about his behavior oh yeah i'm not trying to yeah. excuse no no yeah behavior. i know i'm but... just saying that like sometimes people be sometimes people behave in ways that like if they hadn't it would have been okay yeah 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 <laughs> you know what i mean but yeah he was just a dickhead let's yeah. be real he was a shitty person who like knew bad things about a dead girl and was like i'm like that's fine i choose not to i would prefer not to <laughs> so the bartleby of, of twin peaks <laughs> so uh serendipitously as coop is going over this material audrey horn just straight up walks in and is like, Hey, you busy? <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, kinda. And she's like, cool. Uh, my dad was sleeping with Laura and, uh, and Coop in 
one of, in, in one of his less impressive displays of deductive reasoning is like more or less like well bob kind of sounds like ben i mean it's not what he says but that's like but pretty diary, much what he does the diary also says someday i'm gonna tell everybody about ben horn and right yeah yeah, yeah 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 it, it yeah. does he's mention like, that but he's but like, then he's like ben three letters starts with b yeah yeah um, three letters starts with b both sleeping with laura please. yeah yeah regardless <laughs> you know it's ben, it's, it's pretty clear cut that Ben is abusing her, whether or not he's this Bob figure or right. is related right. to this Bob figure or not. So he's like, all right, so Ben, Ben is the next stop here. And also, by the way, fuck that guy. He just tried to get me killed on this deal to like get right? his daughter right. back. It's like he almost like immediately forgot about. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Right. and it's like, I, I, I think there's maybe a little bit of the vendetta, rightfully so, in Coop here, because it's like, oh yeah, it turns out that Ben just owns one-eyed jacks so like that like murder den he sent me into was also like straight up he knew what was going on there <laughs> like he just straight up sent me right into that shit so the whole thing is uh the whole thing is very like all right well we're gonna go arrest ben horn and ben horn's a shitty guy so <laughs> I guess that makes sense. yeah so we get we move on into uh the cops pulling a major good guy move by interrupting a tojimura san meeting uh <laughs> uh ben is in a meeting with, as the viewers we thank you <laughs> ben, ben is in a meeting with mr tojimura he's like all right my brother went over to japan he checked out your bank. He checked out your contacts, your credentials. Everything seems great. Uh, so guess what? I'm deciding to undercut the other deal, and I'm going to sell this shit to you now. Um, we'll talk a little bit more, I think, about the implications of that um, in in a few scenes from now uh, because there will be more to be able to say about it. Yeah. Uh, but at, pretty much immediately after he says that, uh, the entire – Twin Peaks uh, law yeah. enforcement retinue uh, just sort of walks into his office and they're, they do the uh, we can do this the easy way or the hard way kind of deal with him like you can come with us peacefully or we can drag you kicking and screaming through your own hotel and Ben's response to this is to be like uh, I just realized I need to go out for a sandwich and so he just like <laughs> walks tries to walk out of the room and then i think we send our competent police officer hawk to uh like wrestle him. Hawk and andy. first of all hawk and andy yeah that's right andy first of all when they're like okay we need you need to come with us harry is giving him like the most tough like the yeah, most drive. tough harry that we've it, seen it, in a yeah. while so good i wrote harry isn't fucking around he's like and Harry is usually like ninety percent fucking around. Like yeah, even... he's usually like, dude, like we've known each other for a long time. Like, can we just? But he's like, I'm gonna fuck you up if you. Even... Yeah. <laughs> but then once they actually, are, like you know, obviously Ben's like, I'm not going with you. Once they actually like definitely tackle him, he yeah. tries to. Uh, it's Andy and Hawk, and then again mm -hmm. the work here is really interesting. Like it's normal until they like cuff him. And then it's this sort of like, I'm not a film person, mm. no like terms, but it's kind of like this weird, like, like rounded sort of like, <laughs> almost like, like the camera's on a pendulum. And it's yeah, like, it has like a fisheye effect because, and especially because he's so close to the camera. When they, when yeah, Hawk and, is and holding him he, up, he's right near the camera. 
Yeah, and then he's pivoting one way and another because mm-hmm, he's like mm-hmm. struggling, and it's re- it is kind of fish. I don't think it's technically a fish lens, but it's that yeah. kind of like weird. Some sort of focus. It causes thing that going effect. There. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and what's what's again interesting about this is like the scene in uh, Palmer House. It's very like voyeuristic. Like mm-hmm. we're in this, we're being presented with these scenes like normally, like hey, like we're in this office, but then all of a sudden we're getting like a chaotic sort of view of what it would be like to be in that room when all yeah. of this now, which is a, an interesting style choice for me. Like, I thought it was really good. Uh, I thought it was, you know, Ben being like, no, please don't. Like, I think it's just like a really good scene. <laughs> like, it's, it's yeah. real good. I don't know what else to yeah. say about um, And they're probably too like, oh, this guy's an asshole. So let's like just take some. Yeah, like, who gives a shit? Ben sucks. Like, fucking handcuff him. Don't even say a Ben, like, literally tried to get a couple of us killed a couple of episodes ago. Like, like six hours ago. Yeah. Um, Okay. So from here, we're going to go to this is okay. I had Aiden come in and watch, like, this part of the episode with me because this. This is where this scene, and and I guess it kind of is precursed by the, um, like prefaced by the that weird camera shot where all of a sudden it, there's like a tonal shift to this episode mm-hmm. where yeah. it's like normal episode, normal episode, and then it's very. I don't things start to fall apart. And yeah. Like, things uh, yeah. fall apart. Yeah, almost like it's like literally like the the poem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, like mm. like it starts getting very almost like dreamlike and odd the same way that that episode way back in season one where it's like normal 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 we're in the red room and everything is weird like yeah yeah like and i had said what was it like watching that like the first time being like what the fuck did i just see yeah. this is this is that same sort of tonal shift of like very normal episode to like almost like a dream sequence of, yeah. of scenes. So here we cut to the Palmer house. There's a record that has run out and it's at that end groove where it's just like. That sound would echo every time I heard that for the next 20 years after watching this episode, it just stuck yeah. with me. The sound design. Yeah, and you know, you know personally where this episode's going, right? Sure, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, okay. But even just that sound, yeah. 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 And, and again, me with sound and recordings and stuff, they, sound design is, is interesting, but also creeps me out. And and mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is a creepy sound, no matter what the context. Yeah, yeah. Just like a phone ringing and no one picking it up is like a horrifying thought to me. Yeah. <laughs> but right. like this skipping. And we cut to Sarah basically like writhing down mm-hmm. the stairs on her stomach um calling out for Leland and saying no and and it's just and then it cuts away it's very upsetting it's, it's very yeah. upsetting yeah. and it's you like, don't get any more context for it you just see and we'll we'll be able to suspect we, what's we're going gonna on we're going to go here. back to it yeah. in a second but but it's also like very jarring from like we're going to arrest Ben to, like, yeah. in this Tojamora situation to like right. Sarah something terrible is always happening to Sarah but it's like always. is she dreaming this mm-hmm. we cut to the fan which is an iconic symbol mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. shit going down yeah. she's <laughs> crawling head first down the uh, uh, down the staircase in a way that doesn't feel 
human. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel human, but yeah. it also doesn't feel like, you know, the exorcist creepy. It feels like creepy in a way that this is a person with no agency. This is a person yeah. who's been like, uh, who's been like destroyed essentially in yeah. some way. Uh, and yeah. this is the remnant of a person that you're seeing right. crawling it's down the stairs. It's not exorcist like, oh, possessed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Possessing her. This is something like you take away from it. Was she injured? Did Leland hurt her? Is she drunk? Mm -hmm. Is she yeah. dreaming? Like what is happening? Yeah. yeah. She's she's completely removed from herself. But we cut from the fan right back to the police station, uh, where they're bringing in Ben. And the tone. And oh, I was just gonna say the tone continues to be really bizarre because it we we go from that rather serious and upsetting images and sounds of the palmer house to leland doing like the thing when you're trying to make a little kid go to the bath and like they're like trying to yeah. resist <laughs> mocking like the way Not he's leland. mocking oh, i'm sorry yeah. ben, 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 ben 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 yeah um yeah ben, and he's like yeah. <laughs> he's well, like doing no, the ahead. stutter step thing with like the oh, i'm kind of moving i'm doing it I'm doing yeah it. i've been there with my children yeah <laughs> and i will continue to um but what what's strange about this is there's shift right with Sarah. Then we kind of shift back to like, oh, it's like police station. We're going back to this procedural like, let's get him into the interrogation room situation. He's struggling, and things almost kind of get normal. Where you're like, okay, weird. But then shift again. There's like layers of this yeah, yeah. otherworldly shifting, where as this is happening, the log lady comes in, and this is such a dreamlike moment where well, really she... the log comes in before yeah, the in log the frame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, you, just, but... you see the log first which is such an incredible way to bring it's that so character good. Yeah. into the scene but but they approach her and she you know starts saying her stuff and she says there are owls in the roadhouse and coop says something is happening isn't it margaret and she says yes and the way that that is presented is so like something is happening that is is just beyond reality yeah. that like i almost like it, it seems like they're almost like trying to understand it the way you try to understand what's happening in a dream and you're like i know that this is wrong but yeah. i'm witnessing it so something is amiss here yeah you know, yeah, yeah. Dreaming, you know what i mean there's like, like, it's like, if reality is in the center, it's like just off by like one little step, and and, and it get, it's gonna keep going yeah. further. But, but I was like, look at how crazy this scene is, and Aiden was like, this is creepy. I'm like, yes, it's creepy. Mm. It's a creepy scene. Um, and in <laughs> Lynchy and Fashion, we go from that scene. It's a pizza house, and it's just like, okay, this is normal shit happening here. He's just drinking his milk as he likes. He's in pajamas. He's getting like a midnight snack situation. He's some warm milk and just settle down for, for some slumber, I think. And who shows up but Mr. Tojimura? And uh, Chris had texted me some pretty interesting thoughts about this yesterday, so I'm going to let him take it because I thought he was spot on. Yeah, so... <laughs> I've been kind of dreading talking about this, but yeah. and now that we're here, it's, I mean, 
it's a little simpler than I thought it was going to feel because the things that are wrong about it are wrong and that's easy to categorize. But the way the show at least handles this element of it, it kind of works for me in the sense that there was some sensitivity to how uh, the characters would react to this. So Mr. Tojimura kind of shows in creepily from the shadows and has apparently just let himself into Pete's house, which by the way, Pete is now in alone because uh, Catherine is dead and Josie is gone. Um, Except that Catherine's not dead. (laughs) Uh, So Tojimura plays a little game with him here where he talks about, um, he he talks about having been, um, he talks about having been attracted to him since he saw him at the uh, Great Northern a couple of episodes ago, which we dealt with at the time. And it was a very funny exchange between the two. Oh, I guess guess that was last episode because I remember Hub was talking about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, and then like kind of lapses in between this horrible affected accent and uh obviously Catherine Martell's voice and confuses Pete for a moment until he realized that it's a disguise and this is her meeting up with Pete uh there's a lot packed into here a good amount of it bad some of it kind of works um one thing I will say is I think Nance does a great job in this scene actually um you know, his character is really interesting and kind of cartoony character in the show. And that doesn't change. He's going to continue to be. Um, but the way he reacts, I feel like this could have gone a lot of ways where it went like in a like racist direction or a homophobic direction or something. Yeah. And none of that happens. He's just like, you need to get out of here because you're creeping me out. And then like, it's like, no, it's me, Catherine, silly. And he's like, your disguise looks like shit. And he laughs at her. You know? uh, I want to I read what Chris texted just finished my notes and actually really appreciate how Jack Nance kind of does some of the work on the Tojimara reveal. <laughs> it would have been extremely easy to play that scene as homophobic or racist and instead he's yeah. just straight up like, you look like shit in this gimmick box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he kind of like blows it up in that moment. Yeah. I, I, and I... He's like, you look it, terrible. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. And I mean... And then there's also a lot going on for the characters that you realize, because from what we've seen of Catherine, she's only ever pretended to be interested or affectionate towards Pete when there's some sort of manipulation on her part or there's some sort of game she's playing. So even though it's a relief to Pete to see her again, and in theory, it's a relief to Catherine to have like probably some kind of home to return to again at this point, we also know probably she's screwing him in some way. Yeah. Like we we don't know what her long game is at this point. Um, and it's also kind of hard to suss out, especially at this point, what exactly is going on with the whole Tojimura deal and where this money she's fronting is coming from and so forth. Because and who has it? Yeah, and who has it? Because, yeah, because it doesn't make sense for her to buy her own property back at an exorbitant right. price. So it's like, what what is the game here? And all of that is on top of this, like, really problematic presentation of her costume and the fact that it sucks and the fact that okay now there's some road to maybe not having to see this anymore (laughs) is itself kind of a relief um oh we see it again yeah yeah no we do to to be clear to be clear it's not over yet equally as horrifying (laughs) yeah to be clear it's not over yet um and it's going to continue to be a problem um but 
it, it feels better to know what the game is. Um, it feels mm. better to know what the purpose yeah. of it is. Um, and it also feels better to see like characters in the continuity call it out for being shitty. So yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's like, oh, um, good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody realized it. That's like, I, like, I know there are a lot of, uh, a lot of chat came up about like the 30 Rock Blackface episodes. Mm. Yeah. Yes, it was pretty spot on. But one of them I took umbrage with because in the episode they're like you can't do that this is bad please stop doing it so i'm like well like they weren't like even like let's not go to blackface like ever like at least they weren't like right. this like they were like this, <laughs> can't do that yeah right. take that off right so it was like they weren't like encouraging it so in this way it's kind of the same it's like this is bad please stop doing yeah. it so <laughs> uh, uh, um yeah oh, i just had something and i've lost it where did it go? <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'll get back. To I mean, I'll I'll be honest in saying, and we we've had this conversation on this like pretty much every episode. But uh, Colleen and I are kind of as one in terms of not being super interested in the Ghostwood Estate plotline and so yeah, forth. I, right. I don't I don't even I don't even remember off the top of my head how this ends or what the either. actual <laughs> game is with the Tojimura thing. So it, it's a little hard for me without remembering that specific context to like kind of rate or discuss the entire thing in total but i all i can say is that having seen the disguise uh revealed at this point i am eagerly looking forward to not having to see this character again on my television screen <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> oh i remember what i was gonna say now i haven't listened to the last episode yet uh because matt just is like super putting them up way too fast <laughs> for me to keep up with because i'm incredibly lazy um but we did have it. Did you do the spoiler at the end of that with the discussion with? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So we did actually mm. talk about this in the last episode, and it's at the end as a spoiler. Mm. Um, but Hub, our last guest, did send me an article about how they presented this Tojimura character to the other cast. Yes. And yeah. I'm going to go ahead and share the article now. It's really kind of an interesting and also completely stupid thing yeah <laughs> it's just ridiculous so i'm gonna go ahead and, and share that once this episode goes up i'm saying that so when i do it i remember to do it because we know that i'm i'm lacking in the <laughs> social media aspect of this so um but yeah uh the reveal glad it glad it's there so we can just be like look it's just Catherine yeah. <laughs> dressed in yellow it's terrible yeah. Uh, thematically, it's also the an unmasking, which will have another yeah. character unmasked later. Right. So it yeah, does fit with Lynch's and, themes here, but it's still it, so Darryl, stupid. <laughs> Daryl, there are continuous unmaskings. The whole show is about unmasking in yeah. increasingly yeah. literal ways as we yeah. move down yeah. the series. Oh, that's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you ain't seen nothing yet in yeah. terms of unmasking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, so we've, we've got a ways to go with there. It does fit thematically. It also fits that, like, Catherine is a piece of shit character. Like, she's such a horrible Stop. fucking person. So it's like, yeah, of course she would do some, like, racist gimmick to, like, <laughs> portray herself. Why wouldn't she? She's terrible. She doesn't give a shit about anybody. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, it's not great, but we're, we're, we're beginning the process of moving away from it. <laughs> and for that, we can all be grateful. Thank um, God, jeez. Um, seen any horses recently? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So here we're going back to the the <laughs> Palmer household, and Sarah unfortunately is still on the floor. It's really upsetting, and she looks up and has a vision of a white horse 
which like looks at her and like neighs or whatever or huffs. Mm. I hate horses. <laughs> I fucking hate them. I don't understand. Uh, and then disappears, and she's like, "Well, that was fucked up." And all I could think of was <laughs> that Simpsons episode uh, when he's like, uh, here Twin Peaks and it's the giant dancing with the with the horse, and Homer goes, "Brilliant." I have no idea what's going on, <laughs> which is like true for this scene because I think for me, and I'm sure it's been explained before somewhere in my reading, but I still cannot grasp really what this horse is supposed to be all about. I don't know if you guys have any sort of idea. But I, I mean, there's a four-hour video involved. about it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure kidding. it's like a 10-hour. Somebody has a video essay. Um, I yeah. mean, I think, I think that... Uh, I, I think I know in a vague sense, in a sort of a Lynch dream symbolism sense. I mean, yeah. we'll see this horse again. Uh, we'll see this horse several times again in increasingly, well, in some very explicit ways and in some kind of uh, implied ways from now yeah. on. And it's never going to go out and tell you what this horse is, but you will always see this horse when we're in some sort of strange dreamlike liminal space. That, that, mm. that is when you'll see it. When you see this guy, you know some shit is going on. Like that, <laughs> right. that's kind yeah. of the, uh, um, that's it's kind just... of the, I, I, I mean, if there's more to the horse than that, I don't know it, but I, I think it's safe to say it's a cue that, uh, you're you're in for some stuff when you is see. Is this it. like yeah. a biblical thing, like the pale well, horse in Revelation? Yeah, is that yeah. I think there's an element of that, but that's yeah. too simplistic for Lynch. Like, yeah. there's it's operating on another level than that. But that does that is he's part like, of it. Yeah. He's like, I like the pale horse part, but the riding would right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna yeah. take some elements. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, but, I, th yeah. I think the key is that sometimes his stuff is even simpler than it seems on the surface. It's just straight That's up true. there. There's some sort of automatic association, like a, almost like Dali kind of thing where mm -hmm. like there are just certain symbols that I associate with certain things and they're going to cue you in about uh, what's going on here. Like when Something you see fucked up is happening. When yeah, you yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Maybe so, it's just um, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And certainly, if you take that interpretation, you will not be disappointed because it will always be right <laughs> when you see yeah. this horse again. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, um, um, so she kind of passes out after she sees this. She kind of passes yeah. out, and then we get a quick shot of uh, Leland, who is clearly just nearby, like gussying himself up. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's clearly heard all of this crawling and screaming and like yeah. weird visions and stuff and he's just uh he's got some more important shit to do. We got this yeah, record. His tie's a little crooked. He's got to We got the record still doing that thing in the, mm -hmm. in the out groove or whatever that's called. Yeah. Uh, he straightened his tie and I wrote he's looking like a problematic snack. He looks great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah very that's a I that is a biggest, true encapsulation of his. I have like the biggest like boner for Ray. <laughs> just like look, regardless of what's happening in this scene, he looks good, and I can admit that to myself. <laughs> sleep easy at night. Um. Okay, so now we're gonna go to the roadhouse, and here even th that dreamlike stuff from the uh, previous scenes a few scenes ago is going to continue. Um. We're, we're going to see another one of the Lynch images here, just to say it early. Uh, there's a red curtain on the stage. Yeah. Julie Cruz is singing. She's wearing red. Uh, and uh, this will 
be far from the last concert we see at the Roadhouse. <laughs> so, <laughs> they did this one, and yeah, then yeah. they were like, hey, There's we gonna be a some big gap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we see the red curtain that we know is associated with the dreams and the seeing of the beyond, uh, whatever exactly the implications of that are at this point. Um, we're clued in that, yes, uh, probably uh, Margaret was right to lead Coop here, who is particularly mm -hmm. sensitive to these visions, as we know. Um, it does. It, it is pretty funny because their strategy is just to plop down at a table, order some beers and peanuts, and watch the concert. And well, it's like, so uh, funny. It's, it's Coop and Harry and the Log Lady, and yeah. they once again have just like straight up left an important thing to go to a bar, which yeah, <laughs> right. Just, like, like they literally just arrested Ben Horn for questioning, They're and like, they got him. They throw him in the cells. We're gonna go to the bar. <laughs> like, and, and what's really funny too, in a, in like a separate from what's really kind of happening, is the log lady is going to town on these peanuts. Oh yeah, like absolutely. In an insanely yes. way of eating peanuts. Like I've never seen anything like it. She's like ravenous. Yeah. To them and like that. Um. But yeah, they're just watching. Also, there. Important to note, Donna and James talking about Harold's mm -hmm. suicide. Also there, I think they show it later, but I'm just going to get it out of the way now, Bobby. Bobby. Also there is that old dude that was like, yeah. hey, can I get a tip when Coop was like dying on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot just of hanging out at the bar. Look, yeah. it's an important concert. Everyone loves Julie Everyone's here. <laughs> uh, the gang's all here. So uh, so Donna is chatting with, with James about Harold. And Donna and James have like kind of a data dump here where Donna kind of fills him in about Harold took himself out. She's bummed about it. She feels responsible. He's like, Oh, it's not your fault. Even though it's, it's kind of her fault, but whatever. Uh, he sucks anyway. Um, and, uh, then James is also like, Hey, by the way, did you know that like Maddie's leaving? And she's like, Oh no, I didn't know that. He's like, yeah, it's mm -hmm. just, uh, just, it's crazy. Maddie's leaving. And they have like a very awkward kind of like, okay maybe we're making good here like maybe we can pick back up with now that this Harold shit is done and this Maddie shit is going away like and then she like knows all the words to this random Julie Cruz album track that is being sung in this <laughs> and is like mouthing them back at James it's a very uh, it's a setup for to kind of return these two characters at least for the moment to a, something of a status quo. Uh, we'll see how that works out for them in the in the near future. But <laughs> um, but uh, it's uh, for now we're we're seeing a potential for them to sort of get back into their old ways together. Um, yeah, that mouthing thing, but it's like a very teenage thing. To do. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it's a very it's a very <laughs> like. It's a very teenage thing to do, but also a very me thing to do. Where I'm like, these lyrics mean something that I don't want to say. <laughs> 40 almost. And I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. Um, I do like that James went to, this, to the roadhouse by himself, bought one soda, and then took up a whole booth sitting there. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, maybe he was planning to meet Donna there, but I'm like, what an asshole, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, he sucks. We all hate him. Um, uh, yeah, I wrote Donna singing to James somehow the worst part of the episode. So, yeah, somehow. <laughs> Even the stuff that's about to happen. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, again, they're drinking on the job. Um, Coop 
is watching this concert when suddenly the giant appears to him. And this is the iconic, it is happening again. Yeah. <laughs> I use like 90 times a week. Um, <laughs> and he's just like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> and then we cut, we were going to do some cut back and forth. We cut to Leland looking in the mirror again. Mm-hmm. Just looking back. It's not Leland. It's fucking Bob. Leland is Bob the whole time. Huge mm-hmm. reveal, guys. Major mm-hmm. reveal. Major reveal. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if you have half a brain, you probably figured it out by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's putting on gloves. He's putting on plastic gloves. And, um, you know, first of all, Bob's smart <laughs> to be like... <laughs> evidence like this like demonic like entity is like gotta wear the gloves but also in a covid way i'm like mm, yeah nice that's good gloves. Yeah, right <laughs> go shopping after. put some of those on before you go shopping or do your yeah. murdering i was just like nah, it's so weird to watch things in this like post-covid society yeah. where i'm like oh they're way too close to each other yes like, get yeah. away from each other that's weird <laughs> but um so he puts on the gloves and this is where maddie comes in and she's like, it smells like something's burning, which I don't know what that's all. Is that like the uh, hearkening back to like the motor oils? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the idea is that when Bob shit is happening, it's you. There's a smell of some like sulfuric, like something burning, Eagle something hellish kind of yeah. thing going on. Yeah. She sees Sarah, and this is an incredibly upsetting scene. Yeah, yeah. Watching, yeah. The, I've seen this episode nine bazillion times, and it's still horribly upsetting to me to watch yeah. like mm-hmm. especially like i don't know it's it's just a hard it's hard. it's upsetting it's supposed it's upsetting. to be upsetting yeah, and it it's is. upsetting yeah <laughs> she is it's like oh my god on sarah and then leeman as bob is like well i'm gonna beat the shit out of you and like mm. spin you around calling you laura's name and like sexually assault you while yeah. punching you in the face and smashing your face into like paintings and it's it's incredibly violent yeah it's super violent and and i was thinking too when i was watching it last night that it's incredibly violent for like a 1990 oh over the top for that yeah and and primetime television right i mean that was like not like a rated r movie or something like it it was pretty pretty intense seeming he's throttling her and he's punching her He's calling, he's kissing her. He's like sucking on her chin at one point. And I'm like, if this were any yeah. other thing, I'd be like, that's gross and stupid. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I will say, like, I, I, I interpret that particular thing. So what we get is like, so he kind of, he kind of wails on her a little bit here. Uh, not to put it lightly, but uh, I also mm. don't want to go through all the specifics of it. Right, um, right, right, and yeah. then like he's like holding her and like spinning around and he's kind of flashing back and forth between Bob and Leland in the same spot. And we see Leland yeah. kind of like uh, like crying out like as though he's like holding his dead daughter and seeing yeah, that yeah. her. But when it flashes to <laughs> like when it flashes to um, Bob, wow. it's sort of yeah. it, it's not and I I hesitate to even call it sexual because I'm not even sure it's intended to appear that way. It's like he's sort of like kind of like mouthing around her face. And it it reminds me of this. And we're going to talk more about this in the future. This is one of these things we're going to get more conversation and more vocabulary for eventually. But we've we've had this idea from Mike 
in the episode previous that Bob is an entity that feeds on like negative emotions and suffering. Yeah. It's almost like he's yeah. eating of the feelings here and this incredibly yeah. intense like thing of like Cleveland yeah. committing this violence against this girl, but also experiencing through her this loss of his daughter or whatever. Um, and that that's like he's that's, like consuming. Yeah, yeah. That's like, that's Bob's like yeah. nom nom yeah. nom nom. Yeah. That's like his dinner. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But it but it does also come off as sexual yeah, in like it, yeah in yes. like yeah. not even in like a rapey way in like a bizarre way yeah 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 like when i think of like rape and sexual assault and stuff i don't think of it like that i yeah. feel like yeah. haven't gone through that personally with certain situations i'm like mm -hmm. this is just like over the top but to have that on tv like yeah it's shocking to me I, people might be like what the holy fuck i want to talk to someone who saw this like when it first aired because it's just like what and i have to say too this is so it's just such an upsetting it's mm. a, it's yeah, yeah. incredibly upsetting scene but um i'm like <laughs> sorry um it's okay um but i have to say like ray wise is so fucking good in this scene he's always yeah. good yeah, yeah. he yeah. is so good and and we, we're gonna see this again going mm -hmm. going forward in a couple more episodes but he is so good in it and i'm just like holy shit dude like where is this dude's like give him yeah. an emmy now oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah. sarah too like let's go let's retcon yeah because he's just he's incredible in it he yeah. genuinely yeah. looks like he is upset yeah grieving yeah and violent all at the same time. And it's yeah. like, if I knew Ray Wise personally at the time, I'd be like, I don't want to be anywhere near you. Yeah, right. yeah. You did like, too good at this yeah, thing well, that you did. Like, uh, what's his name from MASH? Alan, oh. Alan Alda? Yeah, yeah. I guess he yeah. played some sort of like rapey, creepy dude in a movie once. And after yeah. that, my mom could never watch him in anything. She's like, I, oh. she's like, I think yeah. he's a great actor, but I, I can't it's too separate yeah, yeah, myself yeah. from that anymore. And I was like, the guy from MASH? I don't even know what movie yeah. that was. But I just the know guy my from MASH? He's <laughs> Rock, he's fine. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, no, he's really, really good at this. And then there's this ridiculous part where like, you're going back to Missoula or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Throws her through like a, a painting that they have that they have shown before mm. as like an elk or something. But like the line is so bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. uh, she's she's sort of like I don't think she's necessarily killed there, but she's definitely like yeah. conscious. And he puts that letter under her nail, right? Which is like oh, uh, like fuck, like right. not only so is Leland yeah. in not only is Leland the the person who has been doing all this terrible stuff this whole time, like as Bob, but like we're back to the nail shit. Which <laughs> yeah, is gross. Um, it's just. And and all through it, there's that record sound. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. That mm -hmm. skipping is, is just a horrifying, like, it's a horrifying. Yeah. And we're, well, and, and we're the, not... the skipping and the, the record and, you know, earlier to the um, the, the ceiling fan, you know, these are, are things, obviously, people who've experienced uh, uh, assault, you know, you remember the, the details. Yeah. The details matter. Uh, the details are what stick. Yeah. And, and um Lynch understands that in a way that I've never seen another artist get. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I, I think sometimes, I'm sorry to, to cut in, no, um, but um, I think a, a lot about 
how this series was sold. You know, it was sold as, oh, a dead girl. You know, a dead girl in a small town and it's quirky and everything. And, and then that's so common. That's so generic. And the fact that it ends up with, you know, this, this level of upsetting violence, the reality of it, because we, we are so inundated with, with, and I'm not the person to talk about this, obviously, but we're so inundated with, with dead uh, girls raped by their father in entertainment um, or by anyone in entertainment, um, but we so rarely see something this upsetting um, as what the reality of it. Once a killer is revealed, it's like, aha, okay, the killer's revealed, we can move on. There's no moving on. Yeah. There's yeah. no moving on from this. Especially yeah. from this, because there's definitely, like, as we go on into the yes. next, yeah. there's just no moving on from it, which yeah. is so true mm -hmm. of trauma. And you're well, completely yeah. right with the, sorry, not to interrupt. No, no, yeah, go ahead. The, yeah. Um, the minutia that you remember and how that mm -hmm. sticks with you forever. And it's just, yeah. you know, there's no amount of, you know, you can work through things and, and like, you know, go to therapy mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's like, I, I have a good handle on stuff now, but there are still little things where I'm like, I can't, like, yeah. I can't do, I can't mm -hmm. listen to that or do that because it's, I can't have anything like near my neck right now. You know mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it, I, it just, I, I never got over it. So it's like, yeah, that's just something you live with now. So this record scratching is like, that is what you're going to notice. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it is, it's, Lynch is excellent at, <laughs> Lynch is great at portraying trauma, which maybe like, isn't, <laughs> Like what I want to ever be known for, but he does it well and he does it realistically. Yeah, yeah, he does it. Yeah. He does it incredibly well, especially for somebody who I think rightfully at times receives a lot of criticism for the way he writes female characters and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he does seem to have an inherent understanding of um, of the sort of dangers and violences that women are subjected to. Mm -hmm. That I think almost no creators male female whatever are very good at portraying it yeah. at, to the degree that he does at least as far as the visuals and the particulars and those elements of those things um i something i wanted to say about the comment about moving on uh from it is that um this this scene and this reveal is so powerful that like in a way it kind of changes the thesis statement of the show i mean from yes. this point on yeah. especially in this show's strongest moments it's pretty much about the cycle of abuse and the mm -hmm. the self-perpetuation of violence and the nature of those things um i don't think it's a spoiler to say that um in, in the show's strongest moments from here on out that yeah. is the material that it's mining um it, it does so in a lot of different ways sometimes strange ways sometimes awkwardly kind of funny ways but that's like mm -hmm. almost entirely what it's uh trying to imagine and trying to deal with and trying to make sense of from this moment on it like it the the show becomes a different show as a result of this scene almost yeah, yeah. i mean not that these things weren't in the show up to this point but they were in the show to the degree that they were being explored as yeah. part of a small town drama or part of a yeah. police procedural or part yeah. of a you know in the sort of typical way that we see these things uh explored in television and the sort of I don't want to say non-critical because I'm not sure that this is critical either, but this is at least, it's convincing of the visceralness of this. It's convincing of yeah. the, how sinister and how dangerous and how real these kinds of things are in our society. And um, from this point on, the show will take this element of that, of things right. more seriously and right. more, and will portray them in a more creative and more specific kind of way. 
And I think that's a big reason that that this the show post the reveal and then the movie were were soundly rejected by the large public. I mean, because you're just not ready for this. I mean, there's a yeah. reason that that part of the cycle of trauma is hiding things, is right. just moving on from things. We were not ready for this. No one was ready yeah. for this. Yeah. Right. And and I think it's also part of why a lot of the stuff that in you know a few episodes from now we're going to talk about a sort of dip in quality and there's a lot of reasons yeah. for that part of it is lynch kind of goes away from the show for a little while um part of it but i think a big part of it is that once you introduce these big and these just horribly visceral and horribly real things into the show and then how do you recover the fumble when so much of the tonal elements yeah. of the show up to this point have been like about goofy small town weird guy right. made a coffee yeah. pot with a fish in it and it's like and <laughs> lady thinks she's a teenager right and, <laughs> right yeah and super strength yeah, right yeah and all of these things they continue to be in the show and they feel that much more hollow when they appear yeah. because and you know lynch personally is pretty good at navigating that space he's good at saying things are horrible and intense and violent and like at times straight up incomprehensible but also yeah. sometimes a funny or a quaint thing will happen and it's in there mm -hmm. and he's very good at navigating that but i don't think a lot of his b team was had the deft right. hand for that that he yeah. did and i think that's part of why you see this show start to suffer because the, the points previously where it could lean on tropes of dramedy or tropes of police procedural it's it's kind of not there anymore it's like there's like yeah. these horrible elements yeah. of darkness and then there's these like comedy scenes that when they're not pulled off perfectly feel like what the fuck is this what is yeah, this doing it's like here? a mishmash yeah. like mashing two different shows together yeah and i do think matt is right in the sense that uh a lot of the rejection of this was like we don't want to see this like right. like i way especially back, true of the movie which obviously we'll specifically yeah. get to at some point yeah. but i i particularly think that's true there like the first episode of our podcast i think i mentioned there's a book called dead girls and i'm gonna link it it's really good yeah. but it's about how like that is a trope right but it's like okay like like the dead girl is a trope because it's like oh it's tragic and they're beautiful mm -hmm. stuck in time now as a beauty and like and like it's almost like like I don't want to say pornographic, but it's mm. almost like like. I'll say it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think there's okay, a yeah. large element of the sexuality of oh, there's something kind of sexy about it, even though yeah, it's a dead yeah, body. Oh, yeah. It's a dead naked girl. girl. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, and it's like, well, no, like this is like how it happens. Right. Mm -hmm. and there's I, nothing I, sexy yeah. about this. It's it's horrifying, and it leaves, yeah. like I've said before, it leaves ripples. It damages people. Mm -hmm. Town is damaged because of this girl's death. In different ways right and, and it's yeah. just like like oh it's beyond this like oh beautiful girl wrapped in plastic and she's like mm -hmm. immortalized forever in this like dead persona or whatever and and it's kind of like like lynch is like no this is how gross this actually is and yeah well we don't want to see that though we just want to yeah. back to like who killed her and like let's get on with it but also this is the main reason why um most of the time I'm okay with, I can deal with like violence against women in movies. I know a lot of people can't and stuff, but I mm -hmm. could not get past like the first episode of uh, Handmaid's Tale. I, yeah, yeah, I am yeah, not consuming this mm -hmm. amount of pain against women for entertainment. Right. How that's yeah. in a fifth season is beyond me. I, I 
honestly had a panic attack and almost threw up watching it. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this to myself. Yeah. And if I were the person I am now back then, I probably would have felt very similarly to it because this is a yeah. thing to watch. And I can't imagine watching it on like fucking ABC or something like yeah. that at like yeah. PM or yeah. whatever it was. And hugely hyped. I mean, this was an event. It was, you're going to find out who there's people an, had parties. There was an ad. Were, yeah, cooking cherry pies, you know? Yeah. It was a big deal. Here's yeah. an ad. We're going to find out who killed her tonight. Fine. Mm-hmm. It's well, going to be in the middle of the season. <laughs> like, what's happening? Yeah. I, I think a lot of what Lynch's power as an artist comes from is his way of subverting those kind of things, though, right? Yeah. I, I think a lot of what contributes to this sort of romanticization, this fetishization of, like, violence against young beautiful women in our culture is a lot of it gets contextualized in these things like police procedurals where even something that like sort of purports to take it seriously like just law and order svu just to say like that's right. yeah. sort of like ripped from the headlines we're really taking this stuff seriously no matter what at the end of 45 minutes they've you know the thing has reached some sort of resolution and mm-hmm. usually a pat one and even if it's not a pat one it tends to be like well guess sometimes people are just bad out there and then we like fade out and we get the dick wolf credits you know and right. it's yeah. like uh you know i th- i think part of this show's power is it like kind of it kind of tricks you into thinking it's a dramedy or a police procedural or something but what it really it never lets you let go of it it never lets you stop feeling bad about the fact that this yeah. woman died and that this town is suffering as a result of it and it's in fact enacting more violence and but not yeah. even just died but suffered years horribly yeah yeah, yeah yeah and then at every step someone failed her her father step, failed, failed her her, and her her peers failed her adults the, failed her like 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 she was like a teenager who was hooked on drugs and working at a brothel. Yeah. Dad was possessed by a demon and like raping her constantly. It's there's like, so yeah. much denial too. Like I mean, so when, much yeah. like denial. the way the police at first are really resistant to the drug narrative, even though it's like super obvious and there's proof of it right away. And so the way weird. the way that like Ben is like, no, listen, I mean, I employed this woman at a brothel and I slept with her against her will, but I loved her. It's like, no, you didn't. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it, and in, in, in fact, what's yeah. vile about it is that he sort of seems to believe it. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. the Lolita himself. thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He gives himself that pass, um, and he's one of the people with power in this town, you know. And yeah. it's it's um, you know none of these things is earth shattering as a realization on its own. But I think the show is unique in the specific way in which it doesn't let you just walk away with that. It doesn't let it doesn't just go. Well, this is the way things are. It's like no, this sucks, and it's really yeah. viscerally Bad. horrifying. And it's ruined and everyone, and everybody is fucked yeah. up as a result of this. You know, like and. I, I it's think, just like yeah. Lolita, where people, where the Van- Vanity Fair was like, it's the most romantic book of our time, and it's like right, raping yeah. a fourteen-year-old, a twelve-year-old girl, like right. mm-hmm. not, but the, but the way it's presented is like, I loved her, and it's like right. he didn't love her because if he did, he wouldn't have abused her. Right. And yes. I think that as someone who can honestly say Lolita is my favorite book of all. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, anybody who Lolita understands the that the public did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The yeah. book gets it. Yeah. Novikov got it. They're not. Yeah. They're not. You're romanticizing it, and you're reading. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. It's, it's like you're stupid. It's and like, and I, yeah. I, th- I think Lynch really proofs himself against that kind of interpretation because he's so willing to be so specific and so just straight up upsetting with the way these things are portrayed, yeah. and he's like, uh, you know, it. I, I hesitate to 
not say that there isn't to some degree in um a sort of exploitative or pornographic element of his imagery as well because there is there mm-hmm. always is in film right. i think inherently i think it's a medium yeah. that lends itself to that form of uh um what do i want to say that way of portraying things um yeah. so it's definitely in there but at least i feel like when lich is handling it especially around these kinds of issues he's handling it with the knowledge that it's there and it's part yeah. of the equation it's part of the calculus yeah. that mm-hmm. is demonstrating yeah. uh you know what it's this not like phenomenon it's is. not like a, a serbian film where it's like oh no we're trying to make a political statement it's like no you're not you're yeah, yeah 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 no, you're not. yeah yeah, yeah. horrifying gore and then you're like yeah. no it's political it's like lynch knows like i have to add these elements in yeah. because it's because of it's a it's film you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. Yeah. but like <laughs> that doesn't make it right it's just like it's part of, right but it's part of the equation yeah it's yeah. part of the calculus exactly. there it's it's a lot it's a lot uh, a hor- it's, a, it's a horrifying scene. That's all yes. there is. There. That's mm. the thesis of, of this whole talk is that this is horrifying. Um, and as it ends in all this violence, it fades with the record sound back to the roadhouse and Coop looking at the giant. Um, he holds his finger because his ring is missing, right? That's what we got from mm. when he got shot originally um and then you know julie cruz appears in the singing again and the old dude from the hell <laughs> who like brought him milk that time come i love him i wrote love him because i do love him like i think he's a great mm-hmm. little like weird character uh pats him on the shoulder and says i'm so sorry and leaves mm-hmm. uh and as this is wrapping up we get kind of like They show Bobby at the bar and he's upset and they show Donna and she starts crying and, and James is kind of like, James just looks like James. Spaced out. I assume he's supposed to be upset too. Uh, They're all (laughs) upset at this like moment, almost like they all viscerally know something something's wrong there's a, there's a yeah. uh great yeah. disturbance in the force vibes in yeah that scene. yeah something yeah. has and and it's so funny because it's right on the periphery of my mind but there's like another movie or or something where someone is like killed or injured and and everyone somewhere else knows about it and it's just my brain is not making the connection right now yeah mine too I, I, any, I, like I, can I can see it and yeah. feel it in yeah. my in my body but if anyone thinks of an i of I'm, I'm, moment, sh- I'm sure that that- <laughs> what if we're wondering about this and it's like avatar or something ridiculously well, no, I mean, stupid I, like I that feel like- <laughs> i never saw avatar so it can't I mean, be avatar i don't have a specific call to mind Monsters but i feel like Inc. yeah <laughs> adrenochrome uh the uh um i i think that that's relatively common though i mean that's got to be one of those cutesy name things on tv tropes or something like that right, right like, <laughs> yeah. yeah where like they all it's almost like they've felt this like violent energy yeah and and this closing of this maddie chapter yeah. and, like and bobby I, didn't really like interact with maddie at all but no. but obviously yeah. maddie and laura connected and this it's well, almost like they all know something just happened and don't know what it was. And, and yeah. I think it reinforces this idea that, you know, this stuff is serious, not only because of the the violence to the victims themselves, but the way that the, these things have repercussions throughout an entire community. And that's yeah. like part of what Twin Peaks is there to illustrate for you is this like small community. And you can see all of the, uh, you know, the um, 
you know, the, the cork board with the wires attaching different images and stuff yeah. like not to be too lighthearted about it, but like you get to see that sort of happen in this show is like the, the way these effects spider web out and the way these things impact people. I mean, that's maybe a little bit, uh, trite of a little, um, um, way to demonstrate it at the end of the episode there but nonetheless it's it's something that the show i think has earned up to this point with the yeah. way it's yeah. demonstrated the community so definitely my last note is something has shifted here and then it just goes to kind of like the red curtain red room yeah, yeah. and then the credits roll over credit. the red room so yeah. we're going into some territory uh over the next two episodes that are like thematically the same so <laughs> right yeah episodes, yeah whatever <laughs> Continually upsetting from yeah. here on Extremely out. Extremely upsetting. Uh, the yeah. next episode, not as much, but the episode after will be definitely. Uh, there's some upsetting stuff in the next episode. There is, there not is, to this it's... degree, but there's some upsetting stuff. <laughs> there is, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's one scene that's specifically upsetting, but not for the reason we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll mention that to you off camera, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, incredibly rough sort of. Yeah just and it's funny too because it's definitely like um if you watched six feet under there's mm. an episode called where is that my dog or where's my dog i forget is that my dog I think it is. and it's six feet under it was famously just like twin peaks would be like here's Maine doing something now we're gonna switch over to claire for a while now here's mm -hmm. and every episode is the same but with that episode david gets kidnapped Oh, by yeah, a man yeah, who yeah. forces him to do like math and like this and that and once he gets kidnapped it never bobs back to anyone else mm -hmm. it's just that the whole way through and i remember being incredibly disturbed by that i was watching it by myself i was yeah. at the time with aiden and i remember aiden's dad coming home and i was like i watched the most upsetting six feet on <laughs> they're all really upsetting but yeah. it like really really horrified me and and this is kind of that same thing we have like oh bobby and then the shoe situation and like oh maybe smashing up milkshakes and then we go to this like horrifying thing where it's like oh yeah. it, <laughs> yes, episode it, it, it does not i mean even though it's technically the reveal of the killer you know there's absolutely nothing victorious or triumphant about this it's yeah. like the opposite it's like oh i actually understand less what's going on here right and right. i i feel worse than i did before i found this out you know yeah uh -huh. i'm supposed to feel better yeah. i don't yeah. i definitely don't and i will not yeah no there's no catharsis it's, it's no just, catharsis. Yeah. just like real mm -hmm. life though right just, yeah yeah mm -hmm. there's no you know like oh great <laughs> the universe is made right things right shit things happen and then it's just that's what you have to deal with yeah nothing yeah. gets resolved really ever so mm -hmm. at least hasn't in my in my opinion <laughs> he has like an amazing story where they're like actually no if you do tell me because i don't have one so <laughs> so yeah. and that's it that's the episode um yeah so <laughs> so I, I do have, obviously I can, if we're, if we're ready, I mean, I, I don't want to cut across anything Chris might want to say, or, or you might I, want to say. I but, think that in that last corners, bit, we said about as much as I want yeah, to say I think about it's this like, right what, now. What can we I mean, pontificate on further? Yeah, like, there, there's so. more to come, but you know, we're not there yet. So yeah, uh, yeah. so in producer's about. corner, I'd like to say as much of my kind of experience yes. around this episode as I can. Um, uh, this, you know, so I'm, this airs November 10th, 1990. I'm 11 years old. 
And I, I loved Twin Peaks. I loved it. And it was creepy, you know, and, and uh, very scary. But I loved, you know, Dale Cooper. I've told this story before on the podcast, but I, I slicked back my hair when I was 11 years old because I wanted to look just like Dale Cooper. And, and uh, a little bisexual energy happening there as well that I wasn't quite uh, glomming onto as well with uh, Mr. <laughs> Kyle. But, uh, um, but either way, um, I, I love this so much. And, um, you know, it's interesting. You, you said... Um, earlier in the episode, like, uh, oh, it's uh, pretty clear to anybody that it's Leland. I was, I never occurred to me, never occurred to me. I mean, it certainly did, but I, what I realized watching back these episodes again is that I so desperately did not want it to be Leland. I loved Leland. Yeah. Yeah. I loved Leland. He was such, he was the goofy, sweet, sad character. And I wanted to, it not to be true. And when this episode aired, um, it just stayed with me forever. I mean, that, that the mirror reveal, I literally did not like look directly at myself into a mirror for, I want to say like 10 years, 10 years, because this, it stuck with me so, so deeply. And I really didn't understand why, other than it just being a creepy scene. Um, and nothing in my conscious mind uh, was pointing to what's going on. And it wasn't until many years later, many, many years later, when I was probably, you know, I'm 41 years old now. I was probably 30, yeah, 30, 30 years old when I started having uh, very vivid um, flashback experiences of um, of uh, sexual abuse when I was uh, was young. And it, without saying who or the specific situation, as a family member. And, um, you know, um, it, it was so difficult to um to understand and and here's where i get with the leland connection is like this person i i my mind protected me from it being this person and um it was just so difficult to realize and of course this person denied it and it became a whole thing and then I, what is real what is not I mean I just had a complete breakdown you know it was, it was very very difficult um, to know what was real and what wasn't and and that I think is is why you know this series will get is already surreal it will get more and more and more and more surreal and I think that's that also in my experience at least is is there's something very real and powerful about the experience of, of abuse in that way especially that kind of hidden or uh, repressed abuse it's just it comes out in symbols it comes out in for me at least it was not oh here's exactly where i was here's exactly how old i was here's it's just this idea oh my god something horrible happened and the most emotional i got watching this and i did myself a little self-care i flipped over the uh the most upsetting points but that scene in the bar um, when everyone's crying and just like something horrendous is on that was my experience of abuse of understanding it. It's like, yeah, something has happened. I don't know what it is, but it hurts so much. Hurts so much. Um, so yeah, it took a very long time. And and part of, you know, when you guys said you wanted to do this, I'm like, sure, I, I, I want to hang out with you guys. I want to be a part of this. But um, I would even tell. I told you, Colleen, in the past. I told my, my friend uh, Donald, who, uh, Don McCarthy, we should have him on the show sometimes. He's yeah, a that's... huge Twin Peaks fan. Um, and so you often talk about it and sometimes you send me like a gif of Bob. I'm like, Hey, yeah, I... do that, please. Um, but part of this experience has been healing. Um, and part of even like, like digging into the mythology of Twin Peaks of, of, uh, watching those 
ridiculously long explainer videos and trying to understand, trying to really come to, again, th there's no resolution of any of this. It, it's not going to go away. It won't have unhappened. Right. Um, but to understand why it scared me so much at 11, when I didn't have, had, there was nowhere in my conscious mind was the fact that I had been abused. Nowhere. But somewhere. That's how deeply this communicates. That it unsettled me for that long until finally some, something unlocked the key, the door was open, and there you go. Um, so that was, and I, I, I'm grateful then for this experience to, to watch this. And grateful, and it's an odd way to say it, but grateful for, to David Lynch for creating something that that speaks to me in a way that that nothing else I've ever seen. I've seen things that were very powerful that are about um, emotional and sexual abuse and things like even repressed memories and stuff. And there's always this element of um, distancing um, from myself because it, it, it feels like such a specific story. But I think the surrealness of this um, really makes it just just alive for me and uh, it makes sense. And um, yeah, and I, I, you know, talking about Donald again, uh, Twin Peaks of Return, I've never seen, so I'll, I'll watch it with you, you guys, and I, yeah. I like experiencing these episodes uh, anew with you guys. Um, but there's something, so, and obviously I won't spoil what happens, what is my understanding of what happens there, but I would get, like, detailed recaps and discussions with Donald about that, and it was interesting to see, like, having understood that I had been abused and hearing that the show was all about that, I was like, oh, wait. Now, and the pieces finally went together of, of why this had, had gotten me for so long. But I, yeah, I, I could, not, could not look in a mirror for 10 years after watching this. Um, and I, I can now, such as it is. There's my reflection. <laughs> Everything is good. Um, but, I know in the um, Zoom day and age, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, well, yeah, we're all like, oh, screwed, please, man. I can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so yeah you have I, told I, me that and you know what i do have to say too there has i have noticed like a shift in your comfortability with like us at the very beginning like mm -hmm. years ago now to now yeah. where you're like i'm watching it with you and i was yeah like a neat thing yeah and that's part of the the zoom allowed that to happen but it was yeah. also part of of consciously wanting not to conquer or get over it, but just to, to understand it more. Yeah. To and understand. so it was kind of a personal journey in this year where what the fuck else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, you, you might, might as well dig into your traumas while the world's ending. Right. <laughs> uh, and so I also, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I also want to say too, that when I say like, obviously it was Leland, like this is not something I noticed the first time either. Yeah. I don't want to be, yeah. oh, like you're oh, stupid. Yeah. If you're no, 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 I didn't take that like, way. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, but I mean, just as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh yeah, of course it's Leland. Yeah. And my mom yeah. was like, yes, Leland. I'm like, no, it's Ben or somebody. It's not. Well, it's like yeah. Fight Club. Like the first time you watch Fight Club and you're like, yeah. oh. And then you watch it again and you're like, oh. <laughs> like, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, like I didn't get that it was Leland at first either. But but it's yeah. just that hindsight thing. And it's like, oh, it, no, it's like kind of like so in your face. <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, whatever. That's what I meant by that. But, but yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I, yeah, I thank you so that, much but, for sharing think, your story about that. I think yeah. it's important for other people to hear that kind of stuff too. Cause you, you know, unfortunately what I think is a lot of us have gone through those things. So. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Uh, I, I also have to say, um, I'm actually rather interested, um, to see how you feel about where the series goes and where it does very eventually right. at the end of the return wind up, because I think part of the power of this series, and I don't, 
think it's a spoiler to say this very generally yeah but is is that um it very deliberately never gives you any easy answers like this is not a mm-hmm. this is not a spoiler to say nothing will ever all the way make sense in this show it yeah. very intentionally does not all the way make sense and i think something a lot of people miss and it's certainly something that's missing from all of those like five hour explainer videos on YouTube (laughs) and so forth is that that's part of the point. And in fact, to a degree, that's the whole point is that Mm -hmm. like, you know, there is no untangling and no making sense of this kind of evil. It's like, there is no bottom to it. Psychologically. I really, really hope that there is not additional twin peaks because the ending there won't be now. God is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And also everyone's dying. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And yeah. also, Bobby Lynch <laughs> like himself Bobby is, is quite old these days. He's old as hell, yeah. and he just signed on yeah. to do a new series, so he's he's yeah. doing other shit. Like it's not. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't, I don't think eighty-nine-year-old David Lynch is going to have it in him to do more. Is he really eighty? My God, is he that no, old? No, no. Wow. He's like, oh. he, has, <laughs> he is in his late seventies now. So I'm saying, yeah. if he's going to spend a couple of years developing this other series or something, like when's he going to get back to this in his mid-eighties? Like he's not. Yeah, no. Yeah. God bless him. Yeah. Like he did, he did the return in his early seventies, and that that is like a massive, like it it is. Yeah. Uh, however impressive this series is at this point that we're talking about it, when we get to the return, the ambition and the vision for that is just so much more specific and broad and just all over yeah. the place it, it is unbelievable to me that he had the energy and imagination in his 70s to like make this happen and you watch the behind the scenes thing and not only is he directing but he's like at the foam carving the props and stuff and it's right. like what the fuck <laughs> i have never been that ambitious about anything anything yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly like, sure. And he just knocked that shit right. out in like two years he's like here you go here's like basically a 10-hour movie like yeah so good i can't wait to get to that yeah but unfortunately, <laughs> we're going to have to slog through the next two episodes of Twin Peaks rules, and then there's a downgrade for quite some time. <laughs> so well, the series gonna... tries to figure out what it is in the aftermath of yeah. this, Thing. of them finally reaching the core of what it is. And then Lynch is like, I've revealed this. Now I'm going to go work on some other art projects. Bye. And then right. like, the B team struggles to figure out what the I'll be fuck back in 15 episodes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be back God, in 15 right. episodes to save your asses and make a good ending. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, on that note, I think really all we have to say about this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank yeah. you for following along with us. Um, we will be back soon. Otherwise, I'm Colleen Carney Hefner signing off. I'm Chris Pruitt. Macaro. Bye. 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 <sighs> Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Love you guys. Yeah, love you.